Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. Today, um, if I were um, starting a series uh, in, in some portion of the Bible, I might entitle that series, uh, Desperate Times Require desperate measures, uh, but I, I, don't, I don't know if we are in a series in the moment. I'm waiting on the Lord. However, uh, our scripture reading today is coming from the book of Mark, chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 is where we are coming from on today. God bless us in your word. Mark chapter 1 and verses 40 through uh, 45 is where we will be. And if you're looking for it, uh, that's an awesome thing. If you've got it on your tablet, on your phone, or if you are turning your traditional Bible, Matthew, Mark in the New Testament. Mark is the second book of the New Testament. It's one of the synoptic gospels. It's the second one. Mark chapter 1. And verses 40 through 5, 40 through 45, just a quick, uh, quick foundation. This chapter of Mark is said to give at least the first 12 uh, months of Christ's ministry without interruption from the Pharisees. Come on, say amen, church. Hallelujah. And so we are here in Mark chapter 1 verses Mark chapter 1 verses 40 through 45 and because the word of God is the authority in our lives let's stand in reverence to it as I read it in your hearing Mark chapter 1 verses 40 through 45 God has a message for us today 40 says a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Verse 41. All right, I'll read it from my text. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. And he said, say this with me, guys. I am willing he said, be healed. Hallelujah. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Hallelujah. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a weak warning. Mm. Let, let's, let's run that back, uh, maestro. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a little warning. No, 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 no. No, no, no. The Bible says that Jesus sent him on his way with a stern. Everybody say stern. Stern warning. Next verse. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take only the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. <laughs> My Lord. And then verse 45. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. 
as a result. Large crowds soon surrounded Jesus and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. My Lord, pray with me and for me as we talk for some time on the topic. He should have said no. He should have said no. Father God, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know, Lord. For Father, if today your love and your presence, your mind would fall from me, Father. All that I am would fall to this stage as a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal, Father. Uh, anything that I would be bringing would be nothing, Father. But yet, oh Lord, you've allowed this moment to take place. You've allowed us to come through traffic, woke us up this morning, started us on our way, got us right here into this place, God. And now, oh Lord, since you brought us in safely, since you brought us here on time, consider our hearts and enable your servant to speak your word boldly. Stretch out your hand to perform great signs and wonders and miracles through your holy name, through Jesus' name. Let the whole church say amen and amen. You may take your seat. I've got some kind of audacity naming the sermon this title. He should have said no. The text begins with the leper kneeling on the ground before Jesus asking him to be healed of leprosy. And I've got the nerve today to say that Jesus should have said no. Mm-hmm. You, you see, this particular individual right here, this leper, uh, Winston, was in the wrong place. Leviticus, uh, in the books of the Pentateuch, describe and say that when an individual has a skin disease of leprosy or any kind, they should be on the outskirts of town where most people who aren't sick won't be able to run into them. Uh, but here in this particular story, this man is able to run into Jesus, and I'd have to tell you he was in the wrong place Jesus should have said no you and I both know what it means to be quarantined. We just came through a whole full year or more of individuals having to quarantine themselves at various different times simply because COVID wreaked havoc in all the world. Uh, and many of us got stuck with that bug. And so we were upstairs while loved ones were downstairs or uh, downstairs while friends and family were upstairs, whatever it is we know what it means to be quarantined and I'd like to suggest to you Pierre this guy was not quarantined he was where Jesus was 
First reason why I want to tell you today that this man, Jesus, should have said no uh, is because if he had healed him like he did, he himself would be putting himself in danger of touching someone who the Bible, Mosaic laws, says was unclean. The Bible in Leviticus chapter 5 and verse 3 says that uh, you should not touch human uncleanliness. And right here, Jesus puts himself in harm's way, Ricky, uh, by reaching out in agreement to touch this man. And if Jesus were me, I don't know, I probably would have said no. My first reason is Jesus put himself in danger and he put his disciples in danger all because the Bible says he was willing. The Levitical law of Moses says that you should quarantine for seven days if you come in with a skin uh, diagnosis. And even after those seven days, when you visit the priest again, if you visit the priest and the priest still finds, Felicita, that you are still full of leprosy, you get a whole another seven days. And, and if that still doesn't show that you are clean, you get a whole another seven days. Something about that number seven, I don't know, it's my favorite favorite number. That's another sermon for another time. But we don't know how long he was in quarantine. We don't know how long he was away from his family. We don't know how long he was away from his friends. But what we do know is that he was no longer catch this church, worried about where he should be. He was in the wrong place. He was no longer worried about what people will say if he came out of the outskirts of town and went into town. He was in the wrong place. What we do know is that what he he wanted to do, he got to do because he came to Jesus. But after taking a look at how this story goes and reading this story, this verse, you and I just read it together. I'm convinced, uh, Elder Iris, Jesus should have said no. And here's my other reason. Because even after instructing the leper not to tell anyone, to hold his peace, he disobediently opens his mouth and tells everyone. I, I, I look at this thing and I see in hindsight, man, I, I guess it worked out right. But I wonder to myself, Jesus, why would you tell this man not to tell anything when you know the beginning from the end? Nothing surprises you, Jesus, uh, but you don't allow Mark to give a weak warning. You ask him to give a stern warning. Why, Jesus, uh, uh, do you tell him that when you know he is going to immediately disregard the word of God for me for me Lachey it's the sheer immediate disrespect for what God had just told him to do 
for me, a, a, a father, it's the absolute dismissal of Jesus's warning for me, David, for me. Mm -hmm. It's the unmitigated carelessness and blatant disrespect to the one who just put him back together again. <laughs> one Bible translation says, but uh, says this, listen, listen, listen. The message says, but as soon as the man was out of earshot of the Lord, <laughs> he ran and told everybody. My Lord, <laughs> I can say, church, that he should have said no. You're going to be disobedient as soon as I finish healing you? No. If I touch you, I'm going to be unclean? No. Truth is, church, uh, 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 we can see Jesus answer our prayers and then immediately go right back to the same mess he just delivered us from. I don't, <laughs> you see, you see, we can see Jesus save us out not once, but twice, not twice, but three times and then go immediately right back to that same person again after God unshackled you from that broken relationship. Uh -uh. You see, we are like the children of Israel. We can see him part the Red Sea and kill off our enemies, miraculously provide food, turn a rock into a fountain, tear down Jericho's walls with no hands and still doubt his ability even though he has done marvelous things. We'll still disregard him at a moment's notice. We'll blatantly disobey him just like this leper. We'll turn a deaf ear to his commands and his words as if Jesus himself were our sworn enemy. Regina, after looking at this text over and over again, maybe you might agree with me, but I've come to the conclusion with some good evidence, biblical if you please. He should have said no for his own health. He should have said no for the respect of the crowd of disciples that he was with. He should have said no, hear me now, even for his own well-being. What do you mean, preacher? You see, reading further into the text in the same verse of disrespect that the leper just said, we now find, watch this church, the collateral damage of the disobedient healed leper. Stay with me. He, Jesus, should have said no because now Jesus can't go anywhere freely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Bible says that he now, because of the styles and crowds of people that come around him, he's now got to stay on the outskirts of town. When I looked into that word in the Bible, it says that now he has to stay in desolate places. Jesus, the garden, the, 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 the lamb from slain from the foundation of the world has to stay in desert places, deserted places, simply because this man could not be quiet about what God did for him after God gave him stern warning, don't say anything. 
instead of ministry in the beautiful temples of Galilee, instead of ministry in the aesthetically pleasing pulpits, and instead of ministry with charming LED walls behind him, Jesus is reduced to ministry in the slums of Galilee. He's been limited to the outskirts of town, skid rows of Santa Ana, ministry under the highways and byways and back alleys of Garden Grove. That's where Jesus is now relegated to all because, watch this, this man traded places with Jesus. Leviticus says that when you come down with a skin disease and you are sick and you are unclean, you ought not to be around the rest of everybody else. He should have been on the outskirts while Jesus would have been inside the city. He should have been in the highways and byways while Jesus could have been in the temple. He should have been on the side of the road and Jesus should have been sitting in the synagogue, catch this church, as was his custom before he touched this unclean man Jesus himself was clean able to walk around walk among the the safe uh, common areas of the city uh, before he uh, got dirty with this leper he he had crowds around him but he was unabated and unhindered by the strong followings uh, people crowded him but he was fine but oh how things shift by the end of this story. Can I tell you a truth, church? You might not like it, but messing with us humans is a dirty job. Mm -hmm. Messing with us humans is a hazardous uh, 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 job because uh, dealing with us sometimes means it's a poor investment on your gifts. It's no wonder why when the church calls for people to help somebody else, everybody is busy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can be some of the most loving and loveless individuals you've ever met. We can be some of the most forgiving and then the slowest to forgiveness you've ever come in contact with. Us, we're not like Jesus. He is slow to anger, but we are quick to wrath. Can I share with you something that the Bible says about us? I'm going to be talking about the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 2 through 5 uh, share some things about who uh, the Bible says that we are. It says, for men will be lovers of themselves and their money. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. They will be boastful and proud and scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. You think that's bad? Let me go a little further. They will consider nothing sacred. Hello, church. Let me go a little further since you got some pews open by you. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Can I go a little further? Uh, you might not like it. When you get to a part that you don't like, it's okay church you can say our but the bible says they will betray their friends be reckless be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than god but it's, it's not finished yet it also says they will act religious i thank god we ain't got no actors in relove today they will reject the power that could make them hello godly Stay away from people like that. Did not tell you he should have said no. 
We don't deserve his love. We don't deserve God's kindness. We don't deserve Jesus's uh, uh, gifts. We don't deserve his care. But somehow, church, <laughs> even though I felt like Jesus should have said no, He even confounds me. There's a song that is sung of a young boy coming to his mom while she was cooking in the kitchen. And he hands her an invoice for his task that he has done through the week, Jackie. He says, for mowing the yard, <laughs> $5. And making my own bed the whole week, one dollar. For watching my siblings while you went out to the grocery store, 50 cents. For washing the dishes when it was my time, 25 cents. The song says he eventually comes to a total that is $14.75 for a week's work of labor in his own house. I'd like to suggest to you this is not my son. I don't pay for chores. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't pay for you to put on undergarments. The mother received the invoice from the young boy and she looked at him as he stood there in expectancy waiting for her to open her purse or as mothers did in old age, reach into her bosom. You remember that and grab some, some dollars and, and give it to him. And, and, and as wise as mothers are, she begins to say to him, and I can hear, Reverend Caesar's voice. For the nine months I carried you, growing inside me, no charge. For the nights I sat up with you and doctored you and prayed with you, no charge. For the time and the tears and the cost through the years, there's no charge. When you add it all up, the full cost of my love, there's no charge. But the story doesn't end there. She says, for the nights filled with gray and the worries ahead, no charge for the toys, school, and clothes, and for wiping your nose, my little boy, there's no charge because when you add all up the real cost of God's love, there is no charge. When my son was first born, and in some of his formative early years, Lachey, he used to always be a subject of my sermons. I used to always talk about him. And I remember DJ, he came to me one time and he said, man, can you just stop talking about me and sermons and stuff like that? And I had told him that I wouldn't talk about him anymore in the sermons. And so I'm going to agree with that right now. So if I'm not going to talk about him, I'm about to talk about Savannah. Mm-hmm. 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 
Savannah got a good mom. She got a fantastic mom. I need y'all to understand that because if she just had me as a daddy, ooh. No is my favorite word. <laughs> I see the bottom line all the time. <laughs> I love to be in the black and rarely ever in the red. I promise you anybody who likes to be in the black more than me is her mom. But yes is her favorite word. Me, I don't, me and yes, Trina, we aren't really good friends. And when you make me unhappy, no comes around very easily. Very easy for me to, this week, Savannah wanted to go to Disneyland with her school. I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm, all, I'm, I'm doing all right, I'm doing all right. We want to go to Disneyland? I'm, everybody want to go to Disneyland. We should all go to Disneyland. I think that's cool. But Nina, the school ain't send no permission slip. They ain't give us no documentation. Uh, uh, Brandon, I didn't get nothing from the school that said we was all going to Disneyland. Because you know one of the things that I enjoy about going to Disneyland or the school when they ask, hey, does anybody want to go to Disneyland? They'll say, do you need a chaperone? Of course you need a chaperone. Are you available? Of course I'm available. Does chaperone get to go for free? Am I going to get half price on the ticket? Because everybody want to go to Disneyland. You know, Disney Walk and all of those wonderful places. But Savannah came home and she was really unhappy because she believed that she had missed the time when she could get an opportunity to go to Disneyland. But she came to us who knew better and said, listen, the school ain't said nothing to us about going to Disneyland. So hold your horses. Don't fret. Don't worry. Everything will be all right. We wake up the next morning. Savannah got an attitude. I said, Okay. You know, I'm going to be all right and let mommy handle this for a little bit. She get in the car with me. We driving to school. We on the way to school. And as we driving, Savannah will tell you. She ain't going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you. I look back, I see my little girl's face all sad. I said, what you sad about? Man, worry we going to miss the opportunity to go to Disney. I said, girl, you lucky you got a mama like your mama. Because if it was me, after I already done told you, Everything going to be all right. I'll shut you all the way down so fast. We ain't going nowhere. We ain't doing no Disneyland for you because you think I'm lying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, 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 you think I'm lying. I, we didn't take you through elementary school and middle school. They, we didn't sign upteen million uh, permission slips because, man, kids these days go everywhere. We, we, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't make all these opportunities happen. And so in, in this particular moment, I'm saying to myself, you may be lucky, Sister McBride is your mother because she's going to move heaven and earth to make sure you go to Disney. They're going to say a number, Eric, and I'm going to be like, I ain't got that money. They're going to say a number, and Sister McBride going to be like, okay, hold on, let me, let me make a phone call. Let me, uh, let, me, let, me, let me tell Daddy he can't buy those rims for the car. Because at her heart, at my wife's heart, tugs at her so much is the happiness of our children. And I need you to understand something about God. At the heart of God, what tugs at his heart is the happiness of his children. While I believe God should have said no when he looks at this leper, he says, yes, I'll help you. And Jerry... I want to know why. 
Rubber doesn't meet the road for me. I'm still in the red, Jesus, uh, with this particular story, but I want to know why you would say yes to this man. Uh, the Bible says, as we dive in a little bit deeper, it says that when he asked Jesus if he will, I, first, first of all, can we just talk a little bit about the audacity of this man to even want to confront Jesus and ask him, let me, let me, let me correct myself, he didn't confront them, he just came to him in the city where he should not have been and said, Jesus, if you can, because I know you can, would you please heal me? The Bible says this about God. The Bible says that he was moved with compassion. I'd like to share with you my first reason why God says yes. He didn't say, he, he should have said no, but he said yes because he is compassionate. Hallelujah, church. Hallelujah, God. Let me tell you something. Divinity loves to give an audience to a sinner who knows that they are a sinner and ask God for some help. Oh, you missed your shout moment. You see, so too many of us come into church thinking that we are righteous, holy, and better than the next person coming in smelling like alcohol and smelling like weed and not properly dressed for church and looking down on them. But divinity loves to give an audience to a sinner who knows that they are a sinner saved by grace. This man said, Jesus, I know you can, but if you will, can you heal me? Jesus said, yes. He rolls in and let me tell you something, there's no dressing up in this man. He, he's, not, he's not fixed up in his proper Sabbath best. He's not looking like he can help himself. He's got on tattered clothes and a torn garment, but on his heart, he's got a robe of humility. Did I tell you before, divinity loves to give an audience to a sinner who knows that they are a sinner. His skin is full of leprosy, but his heart was pumping out humility. Levitical law and fear should have told him to stay on the outskirts of town, but humility, humility brought him into town right at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus said no. When I believe, sorry, Jesus said yes. When I believe, he should have said no. I need to tell you something, Relove. If you want to move the heart of Jesus today, Acknowledge within ourselves that there is no good in me. That my righteousness is as filthy rags. Hello, church. That there go I but for the grace of God. If it had not been for the Lord on my side. I wish I had a witness in the building on today. That no, it was not you. The reason why you're still alive today is because of the compassion of God. The reason why you're still breathing today is because of the compassion of God. The reason why that divorce didn't kill you is because of the compassion of God. The reason why you didn't lose everything when they laid you off is because of the compassion of God and that compassion is triggered by a humble heart 51st division of the Psalms in verse 17 the Bible says a broken and contrite heart God will not despise what Jesus saw in this man when he knelt on the ground 
in front of everybody when he broke the Levitical law and came into town was that he saw a man who did not allow the societal parameters of his diagnosis to miss out on an opportunity to be front and center with Jesus. Church, I believe he should have said no, but Jesus says yes because he's compassionate. And hear me now. Are you ready for this next one? He said yes, Regina, simply because he can. Mm -hmm. You see, in the text, we see that Jesus is not concerned about his uh, uh, physical health and his spiritual health. He's touching this. I, I need you to fully understand. He, the man asked if you can make me whole, if you can heal me. He didn't ask if you could touch me. Uh, Jesus goes beyond what he asked for and sees his needs. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the man uh, said, Lord, can you heal me? And Jesus says, yes, I'll heal you. But not only will I heal you, but I'll come close to you and I'll touch you. Mm -hmm. Levitical law says that Jesus should have been uh, unclean. But I need you to understand. Jesus cuts through the Levitical law as if it were nothing. Uh, the Levitical laws were actually spoken by God himself and written by man, yet it seems that he blows right through them just to save this man. Let me make it more clear to you. God is not bound by man's interpretation of his own laws. Can I tell you something about our God? He can because he's sovereign. Mm-hmm. God is not confined, confined by disease. He is sovereign. He's not canceled by cancer. He is sovereign. He's not arrested by AIDS. He is sovereign. He's not hindered by HIV. He is sovereign. He's not reduced by rheumatoid arthritis. He's sovereign. He's not derailed by depression. He's sovereign. Bigger than all our problems and every situation. I cannot tell you there is nothing too hard for God for the sovereign God is sovereign let me encourage you he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think so let me encourage you take all your burdens and lay them at his feet and watch him meet your need because victory belongs to God he can do it because he's sovereign He's able because he's sovereign. He can do it because he's omnipresent. He can do it because he's omnipotent. He didn't say no. He said yes because he can. Taylor, I think he should have said no, but he said yes because he's compassionate, because he can, and finally, because he cares. Why Mark adds this portion in his story where Jesus told the leper not to say anything about this amazing gift of healing he received and, and then that he immediately uh, runs and tells everybody about somebody who can heal everybody, that, that, that just confuses me. 
Why Jesus himself, who knows our thoughts before we even say them and think them, who, who knows the beginning from the end, who is Alpha and Omega, why Jesus uh, chooses to give a stern warning uh, to this man and tell him not to tell anyone uh, doesn't make much sense to me. But what I do know as I get ready to close this message about our God is that uh, our imperfections don't stop God from demonstrating his love. Can I get a witness, church? Our sinfulness doesn't stop God from showing up when we call on him. The fact that we will sin doesn't make God hold back his grace and his mercy. Our brokenness doesn't keep him back. Can I make it a little more clearer for you? In the words of this wonderful song, there's no shadow that God won't light up and no mountain that he won't climb up coming after us with his reckless love. There's no wall he won't kick down or lie he won't tear down chasing after us because his love leaves the 99 and comes after us undeserving ones. I've still got room for you. His overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love still loves you and I even in the midst of our sin, right before we sin and even after we sin simply because he cares. Should have said no, I would have said no, we would have said no, but he says yes. As I wrap this up, I need you to know life at time can be so cold. So many choices and so many different options of roads that you can take. And oftentimes, you may be wondering, does anybody wonder or care about your concerns? You may wonder sometimes why the tears you cry are not often for joy. But this preacher may not have all the answers, but this one thing I know that if you are God's child, let me encourage you, he cares for you. If you are his child, he is compassionate towards you. If you are his child, he will heal just because he can. Let me come a little closer. Trials and tribulations come. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they'll shake your foundation, uh, but it's in those times that you should realize that it's in our weakness that God is stronger. It's in our disease that he is a healer. It's in our depression that he is a mind reliever. Uh, for in our weakness, his strength is made perfect in us. Can I share something with you? Jesus has already overcome this world and he declares us as more than conquerors and he has given us the victory and I need you to understand why. It's simply because we are his children and he cares for us. An old hymn used to ask, does Jesus care when my heart is torn? And the chorus rings out and says, oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with our grief. When the nights are dreary, the long nights weary, I know my Savior cares. 
the reckless love of Jesus. When you finish reading this particular pericope, it's the end of Mark. Jesus is now on the outskirts of town and the leper who has now been healed is moving around and about the city like a southwest commercial. You are now free to move about. He's enjoying the fellowship of friends and he's enjoying the warm embrace of family. And Jesus is on the outskirts of town. The Bible says that because of the crowd, Nate, that comes around him, he's not able to come into the town. But I'd like to suggest something to you. On the outskirts of town is where Jesus does some of his best business. Mm -hmm. On the low places of the earth is where Jesus does some of his most awesome miracles in the hospital rooms of Garden Grove, in the therapy beds of Santa Ana, and on the skin road, the skid roads of downtown Orange Grove are the lonely places where Jesus does some of his best work. Seeking and saving the lost and binding and healing disease and pulling and breaking every chain. If you came in today, Sick in your body, I need you to know God has a healing for you. If you came in today sick in your mind, I need you to know God has a healing for you. If you came in today looking to hear something encouraging about God, I need you to know he's going to say yes to you because he's compassionate, because he can, and because he cares. If you want to turn around and say yes to him today, just raise your hand. Hallelujah, God, in the sanctuary today, our hands raised, Father, because we see your compassion. We see your willingness to save and we see your willingness to care about us, God. So God, we are saying yes to you today, Jesus. You don't want the lofty, high places, Father, you want us. You don't want the nice castle, you want us. You're not interested in spending eternity in heaven by yourself, Jesus. No, you're going to prepare a place for us that where you are there, we may be also. And we just say thank you. And yes, Lord, we want to be with you. This week, Father, when you show us that you care, when you show us that you're compassionate, oh, Jesus, I don't know why you told that man not to say anything, but God, I pray that we would tell somebody how good you are. Lord, we're looking for a testimony of your healing power of those who can hear this message and for those who are on the hearts of the hearers of this message. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Let the whole church say, Amen and amen. Come on, give God a hand praise in the building. Come on, magnify the king right where you are. Hallelujah.